0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's hold your Bible to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. Change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about uh, some principles of faith, decreeing and declaring the truth of God's word over our lives, which really opens up an avenue for God to move in a powerful way. Sunday mornings, we've been talking about don't give up. I want to continue along that line of study, don't give up. This is lesson number four. And just quickly, a quick review of some of the things that we already said. Paul the Apostle had certain goals in mind. He wanted to climb the mountain with God and get all the way to the top. He was not a quitter. He wasn't a camper. He was a climber. And he wanted to know Jesus intimately and personally. He wanted to know the power of His resurrection. He wanted to know the fellowship of His suffering and be conformed to His image and likeness and become that for which Christ sacrificed His life. As far as his attitude was concerned, he said that there's nothing and no one that can stop me from achieving my goal, climbing the top of that mountain with God. And then thirdly, we said the game plan was he's got to forget the things behind and focus on the prize of the high calling of God and press forward and walk in the light of what he's already attained and achieved in Christ. And that's what's going to help him get to the goal, which is the top of that mountain. And so God wants all of us to see to it that we continue in our walk with Him going upward. Not leveling out and uh, just being satisfied with mediocrity, but going upward, rising up to climb to the top of that mountain. So do we have quitters, campers, or climbers with us today? As we continue our study, I want to read you something that really captured my attention as I was um, in my office studying, and this is something that would really, really, really impact your life when you hear this. I don't know these individuals because I'm not into hip-hop. Anybody here into hip-hop? I'm not a rapper and I'm not into hip-hop. But if you've heard the name Jahaziel, Christian rapper Jehaziel denounced Christianity three days before Christmas, this past Christmas. Quote, a short while ago I turned away from 20 years as a professing Christian I had a good job with a church organization, the house provided by the church, a large social circle of like-minded people, a career in gospel music, a worldwide fan base, a respected reputation, a status within Christian and non-Christian circles, Jehazio wrote on his Facebook. In 2013, the UK-based rapper told Cross Rhythms he was shying away from fame for the sake of the gospel. Now the tables have turned. The man Rapzilla called one of the most important UK artists in the history of Christian hip-hop has not only renounced his faith, he's questioning the foundation Christianity is built on. In the Facebook post, Jehaziel told followers he cannot believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. He later posted a follow-up for those who were questioning his decision. And here's what he said. You can believe the Bible and it's God all you want, but to me, He just demands my fear because He cannot earn my respect. I cannot possibly agree that He is love unless I ignore all the men, women, and little children He has slaughtered throughout the entire Bible. But maybe some people's Christian lenses won't allow them to see that. Cool. Mine didn't either for a long time. But I have tasted and seen, and my conclusion is, that Christianity, its flawed book, bloodthirsty God, and mythical Savior, I have found unsatisfactory and unworthy of my allegiance or worship, unless by threatening to kill me if I don't, as Christianity does. When he received uh, comments about that statement, I'm sure those that believe in the one saved always saved theology and mentality here's what his response was to that this was a tweet January of this year January 4th this year apparently leaving Christianity means I was never truly a Christian hmm only those who know me know that's utter and I can't say the next two words let's just say it's garbage garbage So in other words, what he was saying was, don't tell me I wasn't saved and don't tell me I wasn't serving God. But now, I renounce it all. I denounce my faith. I don't believe in Christianity any longer. As we continue our study, I want to talk about climbing above compromise. You know, in this life, you and I are going to be challenged to make decisions all through life. Those decisions we make, can align with the will of God for our lives, no matter what the cost. Or the decision we make can be based on compromise, which means accepting a lower standard than what God really desires for us. As you look in your Bible and study the lives of four Hebrew boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you follow their lives, what you discover is this. They were in a setting that made it very difficult for them to maintain their Christian values, their belief in God. Back then it was Jewish. And if you study their lives, you find out what is true as this, no matter how difficult the circumstances, you can go all the way to the mountaintop with God and in God. Now, just to give you a quick just a little bit of history about Daniel. Daniel was 15 years old when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. Taken out of his home and environment, placed in the Babylonian captivity. At the age of 17, he interpreted the first dream that he interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar. At the age of 49, he interpreted the second dream. At the age of 81 is when he translated the handwriting on the wall. And you ready for this? at the age of approximately 83 he was thrown into a den of lions at 84 he was given what we call Daniel's 70 weeks eschatology prophecy of the end times the last 70 weeks all told he was in captivity 70 years which would make him about 85 years old when he got out of captivity so We're going to study just a little bit about his life and the other three boys that were there to show us we don't have to compromise no matter how difficult life seems to be. No matter what environment we are in. And so, in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to look at some things. First of all, we're going to talk about the problems. Problem number one is that they found themselves in new surroundings. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Here's what we read In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, which part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed, and of the princes. And so this is when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is what we know them as, were captured and taken into Babylonian captivity. Now, in Jerusalem, they lived in a controlled and protected environment. They had the temple, they had the priests, they had the sacrifices, they had the prophets and their ministry. And everything in their environment pointed them to Jehovah. To the worship of the God that they served all their lives. But now they're lifted up from that protected environment and they're placed in another homeland. Another environment. An environment in which, of course, they would find themselves in a new culture with a new language be taught different things. You could say that they would be re-educated there during during that time there learning about the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. Well, the process was a three year process where they would enter into this re-education program and they would be taught their language, their culture, about their gods, their ways, their means, their methods, etc., etc. So, how does that apply to us as believers? Well, for Christians it's easy for us to come together like this and celebrate life in Christ. Especially if you're reared in a Christian home, and in that Christian home, you promote the things of God. But how many of you know it doesn't take many steps outside the door of this church to all of a sudden start feeling the world just come in on you? You go off to school, young people, and you've got peer pressure all around you, giving you a new language, a different kind of lifestyle that you're used, not used to. They have different ways and different means and different methods of entertainment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so if you're not mindful, if you're not careful, you become vulnerable to compromise because of what's in the world. You go to the workplace and the same thing is true. I remember when I worked at the mill of the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company, it was like a different world that you lived in, like an underground sort of world no one really was concerned about the things of God, and everybody, the way they talked and the way they acted and that sort of thing, if you're not watchful, that could become contagious and become a part of your life. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, we are told that evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And what that means is when you're taken out of that setting where everybody is promoting the things of God and placed into a setting where you hear nothing but negativity, and evil doings and etc etc that appeal to the flesh it's very easy to become contaminated with that and compromise and accept a standard that was less than what God desires for all of us as believers the second thing they were challenged with is new information new information see the Babylonians brought these children there and in this three-year process they taught them a new lifestyle a new language remember we're not talking about small things here we're talking about a new homeland with a new culture now we're talking about a new language that they're learning they're learning how to speak the Chaldean language live the Chaldean lifestyle and have also the Chaldean point of view the way they would view things view life and so for three years they're in this process where they're going to be taught this new language and the goal was to get them to forget everything about Jehovah forget everything about their culture, forget everything about their lifestyle in Jerusalem, and now begin to infiltrate you know, their hearts and minds with the teaching of the Chaldeans so they could become one of them. And they took the cream of the crop because they were very much interested in the in, uh, sciences, in astrology, and astro- astronomy, and the list goes on, magic and curious arts and all. That's what they were all about. That's what they were concerned about. And so they got these cream of the crop young people and they were going to brainwash them for three solid years and ingrain within them their way of thinking, their lifestyle, and their mentality. What's that got to do with us as Christians today? Well, you know what? Christians are not to conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as Psalm 119 verse 89 says, and listen carefully and intently, it says that God's Word is forever settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. How long is forever? Until the 21st century? No, it's eternal, isn't it? Well, you know what's happening within our own culture, within our own society, within America today? Humanism is taking over. Minds are being infiltrated. Young people's minds are being infiltrated. I recall when I was in school, there was prayer and there was a Bible. Today, you're offensive if you have a prayer in school and if you have a Bible. In government, prayer was always welcome and invited. The Gospel was preached. We were considered a Christian nation. But you see, what's happening, it's almost as if we've been taken out of our Jerusalem, so to speak, and placed... In Babylon right within our own society what is happening is young people are being taught that lifestyles that disagree or contradict the Word of God are acceptable and the one who is wrong is the one who preaches from his pulpit that thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not because God said it is really all old hat See, today, it's okay to accept this, to accept that, the other thing. Can I be more specific? Absolutely. The Bible doesn't sanction same-sex marriages. The Bible doesn't sanction homosexuality. The Bible doesn't sanction infidelity. The Bible doesn't sanction sexual immorality. It doesn't sanction living together. It doesn't san- I can go on and on. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Honor your father and your mother. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But you see, we want to think. People want our young people to think like we live in a free society. You are a God in yourself. In other words you can think the way you want to think. Do what you want to do. Act the way you want to act. By the way, man wrote this so forget it. Well you know what? Men wrote this as they were moved by the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. And when Daniel interpreted that or he translated that one what was writing on the wall it was written by the finger of Almighty God. And those ten commandments were written by the hand of Almighty God himself. And there is only one God. Not a bunch of gods. And praise God, He's revealed Himself to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. So today, our youth are being exposed to things that really are changing the way they think. And you know what? It's sad because even in the Christian community, you can say people are now gravitating towards, well, maybe God did change His mind about this. Maybe God did change His mind about that. You see, little by little by little, if you keep getting it in and getting it in and getting it in, you will wear someone down and they will compromise and they'll fall to a standard that's less than what God has desired for them. The third thing is a new diet. A new diet. And you can see this in uh, verse 5. Look at verse 5. New diet. And the king appointed them daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So, nourishing them, how long? Three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, this is big. This is huge. Why is this huge? This is food from the king's table. This is the best quality of food and drink that they could possibly have. To be honest with you, they should be so blessed they should, in their own thinking to be so, let's say, cared for and provided for. But you know what? That wasn't the case. Because what they were being offered, even though it was the highest of qualities to make them, think about it, young people that would be so healthy when they stood before the king with their countenance, their growth, their stature, etc., etc., that the king would be so proud of them. Now they really are one of his, but this new diet, Daniel knew, that's compromise. Now, there are many others, I'm sure, that were there, but they're not singled out in Scripture, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. So I would have to say that they didn't fall victim to compromise. And Daniel said, no. No. This isn't something I can do. Why? Because Daniel did not want to defile himself with the king's food, because he knew, chances are, it's been offered to idols. You see, they came from a culture where they had dietary laws. And there were certain things that they were allowed to eat and certain things they weren't allowed to eat for specific reasons handed down by Jehovah. And so they were to stay away from those things. And especially if something has been blessed, supposedly, and offered up to an idol, you stay away from that, whether it's food or whether it's drink. You don't engage in anything of that nature. Refuse to do it. What's that got to do with us? Look at Psalm 101, verse 3. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. How are we going to rise up above compromise? How are we going to accept a standard that's what God wants and not what the enemy wants or the flesh wants or the devil wants? Make a decision. Oh, there's a cost to it. But I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not. Young people, say it loudly. It shall not cleave to me. It shall not cleave to me. In other words, we can walk on this earth. We could be surrounded by the king's meat and drink. We can be surrounded by all kinds of things that will pull us away from God. We're talking about the mountaintop. We can be weighed down with certain things that will try to pull us back down and keep us from going higher and higher in God but we've got to make a decision that is not going to cleave to me. I absolutely refuse to allow these things to cleave to me and hold me back and keep me from going up with God. My eyes are set upon the prize of the high calling of God. No food, no drink, no entertainment, nothing in this life, no desire, no pursuit is going to stop me in my climb with God. It will not cling to me. Set aside the weights, we're told, the sins and the weight that so easily beset us. No unforgiveness will cling to me. No bitterness will cling to me. Nothing will cling to me to hold me back. Because you see, I've got a mountain to climb. And I'm going upward. Number uh, four. This is so important right here. New names. New names they were given new names. When I first went to school as a first grader I sat in the first seat. Back then it was alphabetical. Anzabino, number one. Teacher looked at me and said, are you William Anzabino? I said, nope. She said, are you William Anzabino? Nope. Who are you? I'm Billy. She said, well, then you're really William and Anzvino. I said, nope. Nope. I was upset. I went home, got a hold of my mom and said, that teacher said my name's William. I told her I'm Billy. My mom said, she was right. We just never told you. To this day, I, I probably don't respond to William. Bill, Billy, whatever, but William just never Then sat with me, just never. I don't know, I've been called Bill, Billy all my life. Well, imagine you're given a new name. Look at Daniel 1, 6 and 7. Look at these verses. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and Azariah Abednego. So now their names are changed. In your notes there I got definition of what the name means or the meaning of the name. Daniel means God is my refuge. Belteshazzar means Bel will protect. This is a false god. As you can see very subtly what they're doing. New home, new knowledge, new environment, new diet, and now new name. Hananiah means God is gracious. Shadrach means Aku's command. Mishael, who is what God is? Meshach, who is what Aku is? Azariah, the Lord helps. Think about this. Abednego, a servant of Nego. Wow. Now, they're being called names that have nothing to do with their God. But they've got names that in the minds of all these eunuchs cause them to identify with the false gods of the Chaldeans so think about them being in this setting and think about this intense educational uh, process where they're really being indoctrinated against everything that they knew and embracing all of that and what's the purpose behind it to get them to forget everything about their heritage young people listen to me When you get out of high school, you get out of your home setting, it's like going into Babylon. You might go to college somewhere where the professor has no belief in God whatsoever and try to convince you that he doesn't even exist. You're going to find friends around you that are going to try to get you to compromise your values and your principles and live like them. And even though they might say they believe, But does their belief really affect their conduct, their character, their behavior, their attitudes, and their lifestyles? You see, as believers, it's important that we recognize our goal is to identify with Jesus. Our goal is to speak the words of God. Our goal is to think, praise God, the way God wants us to think. And represent the society of heaven on earth. So that when people see us, they don't get into us. We get into them. The darkness doesn't affect us. The light in us affects them. And they're changed by being in our presence. We're not changed by being in their presence. Now if these uh, young men can be so convicted to overcome all this and not compromise don't you think in our society we should be able to do even more than what they did? Okay. In 1 John chapter 3, 1 and 2, never forget your name. Never forget who you are. Your identity. When you sojourn through this life in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew Him not, beloved. Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. For as He is, so are we in this world. What is that saying to us? You're going to get called a lot of names, I guarantee you, when you stand for Christ. crazy, Jesus freak and the list goes on and on and on and on all those names they want to call us let them call us every name I know my name I'm a son of almighty God I'm a child of the king of kings and lord of lords that's who you are that's who we are and praise God, I know what the Word says about me. I'm more than a conqueror through Him that loves me. I'm an heir of God. I'm a journey heir with Jesus. I've been made more than a conqueror through Him. I overcome by His blood and the word of my testimony. I know my identity. I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I know I'm a new creature and a cre- new creation in Christ Jesus. Yes, the world doesn't know us. Because the world's in Babylon. But praise God, we are in the kingdom of Almighty God. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. The purpose... Of their hearts, the purpose of their hearts. They had a desire not to be defiled. And this is it. To climb our mountain, we've got to have a desire not to be contaminated, not to be infected or defiled by what's around us in our surroundings. Every single one of us must make a decision. I'm not going to let that hold me back or keep me down. You see, the king could change their home, their surroundings. He could change uh, their knowledge and try to re-educate them. He could change their diet and give them the finest of His food. It didn't matter. He could change their names, but He could not change their hearts. Hallelujah! He couldn't change their hearts. And as a result of not being able to change their hearts, they would not compromise by any degree. Praise God. Thank God. Look at... the. in chapter 1, 8 through 15. Let's read these verses, and I want you to see the stand that these young people took. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now I want you to see what he does. God Now God brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs, and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me in danger, my head to the king. He'll kill me, in other words. Well, then said Daniel to Malzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants I beseech thee ten days. Just give me ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. That's beans and peas. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat and as thou seest deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. What is that telling us? That's telling us you can have the best the world has to offer and, and uh, it's not going to get you any further than you really need to get in God. But you can have the worst that the world has to offer and if God is in it, praise God. He will empower you to rise up. Doesn't At the end of that experience, now remember, here's what happens. The, the prince of the eunuch here just says, if I do this, I die. You understand you're, you're denying the request of the king. You're saying, I don't want your food. I don't want you drink, your drink. I know what my grandmother would say if you did that. She'd have your head. But the king will kill you. And he said, he'll kill me. If we do this, we got to do it behind his back because you, you see, it just can't happen. You can't reject it. It's the king's order. It's for everyone because he wants them fair. He wants them strong and burly and healthy when they stand before him three years from now. He said, give me ten days. So the rest of them had the king's meat and drink. They had peas, beans, vegetables, stuff like that, and water only. That was it. And in that period of three years, in that ten day period, what, what he saw was they were fair and fatter than even the others. Now guess what? Pretty shrewd eunuch. He took all the king's meat and drink and either he sold it, made a profit on it, or he fed it to his own family. But he wasn't going to tell the king what he was doing. Because you see, rejecting a king's order meant death. But it proved out to be true. How does that translate into our lives? The enemy wants you to think that the things you sacrifice for God are fruitless. But I want you to know something. You can give it all up for God. And God will see to it that He takes care of you beyond anything you can possibly imagine. He doesn't need a whole lot to work with. All He needs is your attitude. All He needs is your desire. All He needs is our will to say, you know what, Lord? Feed me water and feed me pulse and I'm yours for the rest of my life. And He says, and I'll take that I will anoint that and I will see to it that you are the healthiest person on the planet. They refused to compromise and they proved that God could make them healthier. Now, these same individuals, you know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel as well. You know the story. They were told to compromise or die. Compromise or die. Young person out there, you might think, because you're living for God and you get all this flack from all your peers and all that you know that you're just down and and you you know you just so hard to live your Christian life you and I have no clue what it's like to face persecution for Christ Shadrach Meshach and Abednego if you don't bow and compromise your principles this one time you will be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar said "And Who is that God that can deliver you out of My hands? And oh, what boldness! What faith! Oh my goodness, what a revelation they had of their God. Oh King! We're not even careful to answer you in this matter. You throw us into the furnace... Our God whom we serve is well able and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. If you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow. We're still not going to worship. We will serve our God. That's all there is. We've committed ourselves to it. We're not bending, we're not bowing, and we're not burning because our God said when you pass through the fire, I will be with you. Nebuchadnezzar got hotter than the fire itself, hotter than the furnace itself. And those men that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace, they died before they even got got them in. As they threw them in, they died by the flame of the fire that was so hot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in there having a picnic. And when Nebuchadnezzar looks inside the furnace opening, he says, I thought we threw three men in there. How come there's four? And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Because it was the Son of God. Because He was in the furnace. Because He acknowledged, He heard. His eyes were upon the righteous. His ears were attended to their prayers. And when He heard them say, We will not bend, bow, or burn, God said, I'm on the scene right now. I want you to know, young person, don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise your principles. Don't compromise your walk with God. Walk with God. And when you're in the fire, He'll show up. Hallelujah. He will show up. God's my refuge and strength. Oppressive help in times of trouble. Now what about Daniel? Eighty-three years old. Where are you going, Daniel? In the lion's den. Not the holiday inn. Not the comfort inn. I'm going to the lion's den. See, he got tricked. The king got tricked. God sent his angels to shut the mouths of the lions. You see... When you make a decision to go all the way up with God, God will go all the way up with you. And He'll be there for you. Praise God. You put God first. What does Matthew 6.33 say? You should be able to quote it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be not taken from you, but added to you. Now finally, promotion. God's promotion. And also man's promotion. God's motion, first of all, Daniel 1. And look at verse... 17. As for these four children, God gave them. I like that. God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm." Imagine all these that had gone through the process for three years. All these individuals that were studying astrology, sci- all the sciences, you know, astrology, uh, astronomy, and the curious arts and magic. They were concerned about the, the uh, alignment of the moon and they had a moon god, sun god, all these different things, and you know, all scientific-minded and all that. And that's what they really uh, excelled at. He found these boys ten times better. Where did all that come from? No compromise. And God gave them an impartation of these things that would help them. And so God did what? He promoted them. But then look at 2nd chapter, Daniel Chapter 2, verse 47. So did the king. So did the king. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested, you see, it's good to have favor, of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. And so God promoted them and now man provoked to them. And when you've got the favor of God upon you, I'm telling you, God will, will also touch the hearts and minds of people that are all around you that that favor can be shown to you because you have no compromise in your heart and you desire to walk with God fully. Now that's what happened with these young individuals and praise God. In conclusion, I want you to know this. Jehaziel that we talked about he didn't make that decision to walk away from God overnight. And if you can understand this, there's not time to teach it. I shared a little bit on Friday in a healing class. I would venture to say that this person is this close to committing what is called the sin unto death. Some call it the unpardonable sin or the sin of the death. I know that blows theories out of the water, like one saved, always saved. I thought once you're saved, you're always saved. You can never lose salvation. Let me just say one thing about that theology real quick. First of all, stay in Christ. Serve Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and everything you have, all the energies of your being. Once saved, always saved. Okay? Now, you make a decision to turn and live in sin and walk away from God and let him, let the enemy get a hold of your heart, your thinking, your ways and you start walking away from God watch out watch out I heard one preacher say but how far do you have to get who wants to go there you see the whole theology is this I'll be honest with you most people that want to know that they want to know that so they can sin more they want to know that so they can live the way they want to live walk with God you don't have to be concerned about that theology whatsoever well, what about the Scripture that says he? no one can take you out of His hand? No one can take you out of your car when you're driving 55 miles an hour down a highway. But you can jump out. Did you hear me? You can jump out if you want to. No, no one can take you out of His hand. But you want to jump out? Go ahead. Jehaziel is that close to jumping out. Someone needs to get a hold of him. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, this is what's happened to him. It says, now the Spirit speaks, especially in the latter days, some shall get, depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, what happened to him is what happened to Charles Templeton. How many of you know Charles Templeton? Okay, I see a couple of hands going up. Okay, let's, let's make a comparison. How many know Billy Graham? Wow. Wow, all you know Billy Graham, but only two know Charles Templeton. You see, Charles Templeton, you know what he did? He was an associate of Billy Graham. And he and Billy Graham were like this. And they both preached the gospel. Templeton founded a church. Templeton founded Youth for Christ. Templeton served God for 20 years. Loving God, serving God, establishing these wonderful ministries. But over those years, he had associates. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And they began to peck away at his thinking and brainwashing him. Injecting thoughts like Satan did. Remember the Bible says, Paul says, I'm concerned that just as Eve was beguiled and deceived that the same thing would happen to people today. And this man that was so faithful in his walk with God, whose conversion everybody knew about, who was told you will be the one to reach the world. Not Billy Graham. He was more excellent in ministry than Billy Graham was. More prolific in all the things that he did. And so you're the one, man. But how is it everybody knows Billy Graham? But no one knows Charles Templeton because he became an atheist. Little by little, What are you doing that for? You don't really believe in creation, do you? You know, the Bible was written by man. You you shouldn't think the way you think. A man who for all those years faithfully served God, who established a church, who established and founded Youth for Christ, got to a place where he turned his back on God, became an atheist, and guess what his last book was? Farewell to God. Farewell to God. Stay in Christ. Nothing to concern yourself with. It's just like that 400 foot tree that uh, was found lying on the ground. Couldn't understand why it happened until the investigators went in and they found that there were beetles that set up their nests and went in and ate it from the inside. And this tall, stately tree was down. You see, little by little, things began to deteriorate. It starts with not going to church. It starts with not reading my Bible. It goes over to no longer a productive prayer life, And then hanging out with individuals that don't really serve God and getting involved in doing the things that they do. Little by little by little by little. You see, you climb the mountain and you've got all of a sudden this pool pulling you back down. Young people, be aware of it. Recognize it. Do something about it. If you found yourself listening to this message today, and you can identify some compromise in your life. You used to speak the word over your life, but you don't do it anymore. You used to be faithful in prayer, but you don't do it much anymore. You used to study your Bible, but you don't do it much anymore. You used to go to church, but now you kind of shy away from that. And I don't believe in preaching a whole lot of that to to you because you're here. But you get my point? Repent. Repent. Remember where you fell from. Repent and do the first works over, Jesus said. And get it right with God. No compromise. Be like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Be like a Daniel and stand out above the crowd with all these others going in the wrong direction, but not you. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others.